Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hey filmmakers, Jason Brubaker with Filmmaking Stuff. Joining us today is Ian Hannon. Ian Hamden is one of the most, I think, one of the most talented graphic designers in town. He specializes in doing key art and poster art for films. And prior to that, he has a long history of coloring some of the top comics um, for Marvel and DC, among many others. And uh, welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you, Jason. Good to be here. Hey, tell me a little bit about your background. So I think it's an interesting story, and I should probably say, and, and just make this fully transparent, that I've known you for years. Um, and mm-hmm. it's and it's just been such a great not just working relationship but friendship. Um, yep. But you know, one of the things that I always found fascinating is your background. You're an artist, man, and you mm-hmm. were one of these people that got discovered. Like your big dream came true uh, <laughs> at a young age. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it was a dream come true. Uh, I am uh, to remain to this day a comic book nerd and a, a film nerd and a uh, just TV film any entertainment. Uh, nerd uh but back in the day uh let's not talk about how many years ago that was i uh went to my comic my neighborhood comic book shop picked up my favorite books and uh uh one of them had a um talent search uh looking for writers pencilers anchors colors everybody in the business and um i sent some of my photoshop work in and um i to my great surprise, um, my brother called me up. I was at my day job uh, working at Kinko's in the legal department making copies. And um, he called and said, hey, guess who uh, just called you? And I, I said, what's going on? He said, uh, Wildstorm Productions just called you. Uh, and that Wildstorm was uh, one of the uh, uh, studios uh, in Image Comics, uh, the Image Comics line. And... Um, that's Jim Lee's uh, uh, studio. Uh, uh, he was the, uh, the the big shot there, and uh, I uh, was fortunate enough to be offered the job of colorist. And uh, after a, a, a exciting trip across the country, I found myself working in La Jolla, San Diego, uh, for Jim Lee, uh, among other uh, top uh, artists in the field, and. Uh, uh, just uh, colored comics for for them for a couple of years. And then I started my own company with a couple of pals. We did coloring on our own, which uh, led us to uh, Marvel and DC and uh, Dark Horse and uh, other third tier publishers, uh, second and third tier publishers. And uh, did that for a long time. And uh, it was, it was a, it was a fun job. It was, it was creative. It was, there was a different artist, uh, uh, every book and, uh, a nice challenge and an exciting time. And uh, it taught me a lot about foreground, uh, background, uh, temperature, you know, cool versus warm, uh, uh, mood and, and uh, this kind of the psychology of color and what it can do um, for the viewer and how to draw someone in and how to tell a story. And um, I, I think I, those, those are valuable uh, bits that I take with me today um, in, in key art and uh, poster design and, even logo design, uh, all design, all graphic design. Um, 
and uh, likewise, it has been a, a honor and privilege to know you these many years, my friend. So, when we're talking about, and you mentioned key art, and, and mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure so many nerds that are listening to this would love if we just talked about Batman and all the experience you had coloring right. those types of comic books for a long time. But I want to dive into key art specifically about motion pictures because everything has gone digital, and you have such a lot. You know, your experience is pretty vast. You've worked with a lot of filmmakers in delivering key art to, like, I don't know, Netflix and Hulu mm-hmm. and iTunes and all these different places. Yep. Before we dive into the particulars, what the heck is key art? Okay, well, uh, you know, you're scrolling through your uh, your uh, platform, whether it's Amazon or Netflix or Hulu, iTunes, all of these, and they have the thumbnails. And they have a title on the thumbnail. That's the film title, the TV title. Uh, and this is what's trying to grab the viewer's attention among, you know, all these hundreds and uh, thousands of uh, little thumbnails. They want you to choose uh, theirs, whoever this filmmaker is, um, producer, whoever's uh, uh, licensed the content. So the idea is to present uh, a very readable title on top of a, a very alluring image, something that grabs you and makes you click on it and watch. Uh, that's that's the whole point of key art. Right, because, the, because back in the day, if we were having this conversation, you know, even 10 years ago, we'd probably be talking about Blu-ray art or DVD art, right. but now all of that stuff is, is translated onto the screen. You sit down in front of your Samsung smart television, you go into Netflix, and you're trying to figure out what to watch. Right. So so one of your goals as a graphic designer working specifically in key art, you got to figure out a way to help that film pop. Is that right? That's exactly right, uh, because of all of the content. I mean, it's just saturated. There's so much content today. And everybody is wanting uh, the world to find their content, their episodes, their film. Uh, you know, we all believe in the, the art that we create. That goes for filmmakers, uh, producers, um, creators uh, of film and TV content. They believe their content is uh, gold. And um, they're pretty sure that if they can get people to uh, check it out. There might be some word of mouth. There might be, you know, marketing is is not uh, always cheap. So they they figure, well, uh, word of mouth will carry it. Uh, you know, if I can just get somebody to click on this uh, key art, uh, it'll jump out from the rest, and they'll grab it and run with it, and I'll be a huge success and be making major motion pictures. So when you, when you're doing the key art, what what mm-hmm. are some of the things that you try to accomplish? as a graphic designer to make it pop, especially because to your point, there's so much content that you're competing with. Right. Uh, Number one is the title. You need to be able to read the title. Uh, That sounds like a no brainer, but uh, it sounds super obvious. to me. Yeah, it sounds super obvious. Uh, Unfortunately, I have (laughs) come upon uh, many uh, attempts at key art that you can't read the, the title, uh, whether the logo is bad or the, the title treatment design just isn't there, or it's too small on the key art, or it's fighting, uh, it's it's at odds with the imagery of the key art. So there, there are many factors that come into play, but the most crucial element to your key art is making sure that y- your viewer can read your title. And uh, it sounds obvious, but um, it, it's not always um, a success. So, you know, and, and so I... I 
uh, have done a lot of um, uh, surgery on these. Key, you know, I'll get key art delivered to me that uh, has been created by the producer himself or uh, director or their their cousin or the little sister. And and they've you know they've done their best, but you know maybe they couldn't afford Photoshop or maybe they uh, couldn't afford a designer. Uh, and so I'll go in and either create a new title treatment or uh, just tweak what they've got. And it's sometimes it's a very simple tweak, but um, it goes, it, it's, there's a big leap from not being able to read it to uh, being able to quickly uh, scan an image and see the title and have it pop out at you. That's absolutely crucial. And, and sorry for my, mm -hmm. you know, next dumb question, but you keep mentioning title treatment and working mm -hmm. distribution. I've heard that a ton. Sure. I just don't even know what that means. What is a title treatment? Right. Uh, title treatment. It's um, it's the title of your film or TV show, but it's uh, the treatment part is the design. Title design is really another way of saying it. So uh, a treatment is, you know, what colors did they use? What font? Uh, did they design a, a, a font? Did they... Uh, uh, you know, spray paint it on a wall and then capture that and, you know, bring it into Illustrator and run vectors. And it's, there's millions of ways to create a title treatment, but essentially the title treatment is, uh, for example, Star Trek. I, I've got Star Trek on a loop on Netflix and everyone probably knows the Star Trek logo, but that Star Trek, those two words with that kind of, uh, slanted font, uh, that's the title treatment. Doesn't matter if it's black and white. Doesn't matter if it's the color version. You know, there are different ways to uh, display it, but it's that same uh, readable shape every time. Yeah, and, and there's so many ways to take this. So, so title treatment, if I understand it, is, is a reflection of the brand. Um, so you got the same logo, you got the same colors, the same yep. font that yep. you would use on the poster or any other ancillary. Yep. you know, marketing assets. Absolutely. Good point. You want to be consistent with your title treatment too. Uh, you know, and sometimes people break rules and that's a good thing. You may have a different title treatment on your poster than you have in the actual title card of the opening of the film. And that can work. That That's, that's perfectly fine. But as marketing, generally speaking, as your marketing goes, you want your, your poster, your uh, uh, advertising, uh, the key art, all of these things to have the same title treatment so that it starts to build a brand. Uh, and like you said, and people spot it and it becomes recognizable. I mean, we're just talking about Coca-Cola again. We're talking about uh, McDonald's. We're talking about uh, uh, the, the band Kiss. We're talking about all of these things where uh, people have created a, a brand and it's something that's recognizable the instant you see it. Right, like Netflix is Stranger Things, right? They, they use right. that old logo-looking thing from the 80s, and they're, right. it, it's such a throwback to some of the stuff that you remember from days gone by. Yep, um, and that, that, that's that's brilliant. The the aesthetic, they capture that 80s aesthetic, aesthetic in the title treatment itself. And that's it's just it says so much about the show before you actually click on it. And I guarantee you there were millions of people that had no idea what Stranger Things was, but they clicked on it because, hey, that, that feels like the 80s. I'm a kid of the 80s. I love the era. I'm clicking on this. Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, you brought it up earlier that, and, and you know, I've been working in distribution, as I said, a long time. Um, and then whenever you're delivering your content to a distributor to go 
to all the various platforms, one of the things that I've seen over and over again, to your point, are people that try to do their own graphic design. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but on our first feature film, we did our own graphic design, and it, <laughs> and it looked I like saw it. it. Yes, <laughs> I yeah. know. You know you saw it. You, you helped us with it. I remember. Yeah, but, yeah um, we we uh, we did a redo of that, and, uh, <laughs> and I think it worked. But you had a great idea. You know your you know your concept was great. But, uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a nice thing to say. But yeah. you know, going back to this, so I here's the thing that I've seen on the deal making side, and maybe you can speak to this. But when you deliver a motion picture for distribution, it has to go through so many different like it's almost like going to Jiffy Lube where they do all the different spot checks. Like you right. have to pass QC right. at a really high standard. We're not just talking about the motion picture itself. We're talking about all the deliverables that go with it. So talk to me uh, and our listeners about some of the things that filmmakers get wrong uh, that, frankly, you know, delay the QC process and maybe even skunk the deal when it comes to art. Uh, When it comes to art, sure. I was going to say I can't speak to uh, the audio or uh, even the the film process itself. But uh, uh, with art, you know, you get you get the wrong you turn the wrong specs in it's going to get rejected the specs by specs. I mean, of course the uh, dots per inch, the resolution and uh, the, uh, the size of the artwork, the, the specs as well as the uh, orientation. So when, when you see 16 by nine, that means wide, that means uh, 16 inches wide by nine inches tall. And a lot of the times, you know, you'll see guys turning in stuff that's, 16 tall by nine wide and it's just it's going to get rejected so there are basics that that are really fundamental to uh just getting it uh into qc let alone through it but uh um number one i gotta say you know you you got these these filmmakers that uh they try to do it themselves and it's it's a shame because it'll get rejected, goes back to them, and then it ends up being a waste of time because eventually they're going to need to hire somebody to do it and do it right and do it yeah. well. And uh, then it flies through QC and it's up, but but how much time have they wasted? How many viewers did they potentially lose by that? So um, uh, there's resolution. There's uh, the image choice itself, like uh, uh, Netflix and a, a good number of these platforms, they won't. Uh, show an, a gun that's aimed at the the viewer. They won't do it. They won't. Uh, they won't show violence, a uh, certain degree of violence, but definitely uh, violence towards women. They're they're not going to allow it. So you got to do a little bit of research before you even begin and and find out. Uh, you know, hell, just scroll through the the uh, VOD platforms themselves and see what's uh, successfully what what grabs you and what's working. And, right. Um, so, so you're saying yeah. if you had like a horror film or or something that like an action film, you have to be very picky about the art that you choose. Right. Right. For your eventual deliverables. Right. Um, and then in you know you you got me thinking though because there's a ripple effect here. Even though a lot of films you know aren't going to have a full-on theatrical release, most filmmakers create a poster, mm-hmm. um, and they do that for film festivals and different like screenings that they're going to have. And frankly, just to have it, I think every film needs to have a poster just, sure. you know, just as a, it's, it's just one of the cool things to have to show right. that you've made this film that you can hang right. on your wall. 
So right. if I'm making a po- if I'm a filmmaker, what what comes first? Do I create key art first, or do I create a poster first? Well, your key art is going to include the poster art, so okay. they go hand in hand. You're gonna, I mean, you're probably gonna start with the poster design, uh, and keeping in mind that your poster art typically is the the tall standard one sheet uh, shape, but uh, on these platforms, you're going to need the wide version of that. You're going to need a square version of that. And now with iTunes new specs, I mean, they're quite frankly, a very, um, there's um, a lot of, a lot of moving parts with that because yeah. you have that, um, and I forget what the option is, but iTunes in particular, they have that huge banner thing that you can opt to have at the top. That, uh, and with their newest specs, though, they're very complex. There's wide versions uh, that can't have certain areas that are too much contrast. Yeah. And they'll, they'll actually, if you get the, uh, if you get the, um, um, some of the specs that they lay out. Yes, yeah. the templates. They will have red boxes and green boxes and yellow boxes in, in, in certain areas saying, hey, not too much contrast here. Hey, on the edges, the top of the bottom, bottom, uh, leave that open. So there's a lot of adjustment that has to be done just with the iTunes specs alone. Um, so when I design a poster, I typically start the illustration or the design in Photoshop or wherever I'm working as a square. Because a square, when I'm thinking about placing the elements, I know it's got to be wide at certain points in time or tall. So I design with that in mind, and it's also got to be a square as well. So I'm starting with the square that allows me to fit all the aspect ratios within that uh, illustration. Um, but it's uh, it's become much more complex with the, the uh, platform specs, and uh, a lot of thought needs to go into it in advance before, uh, you know, a beginner might just start drawing on a, a 11 by 17 board and that's going to, you're going to run into a lot of trouble because that's not going to fit the specs that you've got coming at you down the line. Um, So again, the the poster art will be uh, what they call your uh, main main horizontal, main vertical. I mean, there's different terms at the different platforms, but your, your, your poster art will be uh, included in your key art. Now, a lot of the time key art, uh, you know, there, there's six to 10 to 12 different ones that these uh, platforms would like from you. So uh, a lot of the time, you'll just dig into your feature and, and comb through and look for decent stills that you can manipulate in some way to uh, you to add into your key art. And um, a lot of the times, you'll grab uh, an interesting face, your lead's face, your co-lead's face, uh, maybe a conversation they're in that shows some drama. Um, interesting uh artifacts uh whether it's a amulet around somebody's neck or a candle burning something that's part of the story you want to include these elements in the key art uh things that are intriguing to look at things that make you want to learn more oh i i, I want to watch this movie because look at this cool uh, silver uh, little token uh, what is that what is that there's blood splatter on it oh man that's cool so little little things that you include in the key art that don't that aren't spoilery. They don't give them the story away, but they are elements of the story of the plot that, that you can uh, grab onto and, and uh, tease a little bit. 
So you mentioned stills, and I, and I know from a production standpoint, most uh, filmmakers, um, if they're thinking about it, they get an on-set pr- photographer. There but you then go. again, everything's being shot high definition, so you could pull it out of the content. But what's your preference when you're designing posters and, and key art? Uh, the more options, the better. And uh, if you have a still photographer on set, uh, that that's that's even better than pulling stills sometimes. Uh, and and especially uh, where story art is concerned. Now, story art is another element that, uh, well, Netflix for sure uh, uses the story art. And I'll give you an example. Um, the Office. So I'm a diehard The Office fan. So And it's on a loop at my house. We watch it all the time. And, so, so, uh, so far, Star Trek and The Office right, are on a loop at their house all the those time. Those are the two. Those are the two, <laughs> the two biggies. <laughs> uh, um, now, so when you go to the Netflix uh, thumbs and you're scrolling through, when you get to The Office, you get a large piece of art to the right of the title treatment that takes up most of the page, and that's called story art. And that shows Jim and Pam and Michael and Daryl and everybody – in the cast, Dwight, they're all on this chessboard and they've got, you know, each other in headlocks or, you know, there's some kind of struggle happening and it's comedic. That is not shot for an episode. That was something they put together through on-set photography or they got them all together, assembled them as the cast in the costumes and did their hair and everything and got them and said, okay, uh, let's do something fun and okay, everybody headlocked Dwight and, you know, and, that becomes something that is not going to ever be seen in an episode, but it portrays kind of the drama, the fun, uh, and the, the tone of the show itself. So that's story art. And, you know, if you're, if you're out of options, you just, you didn't have anybody on set or you didn't have a, 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 a on-set photographer or you didn't have the, the uh, bandwidth or the finances or the bandwidth to create something uh, unique like that for your film or TV, you can, again, you can go into the film and grab a still, but it's just, um, there are more creative ways to go about it. If if you can think ahead and plan ahead and, and uh, have the right people around you to, to deliver it. When you work with filmmakers, because, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of brought it up, but each one of these platforms, Netflix, Hulu, iTunes, Google play, et cetera, et cetera, they all have, very specific artwork uh, yep. specs that they're looking for. Yep, and they're, they're all different. And, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. And, and how much of a headache is that for filmmakers? And by the way, distributors too, because we we have to have everything that these platforms are asking for. Right. So when the filmmaker comes to you, um, are you able to produce, you know, do they give you like one poster and then you produce all the extra stuff for each one of these platforms? Or, or how do you go about working with them? If that's all they have, then yes, I can make it work. And uh, uh, but sometimes, of course, being limited by a a, a vertical poster, I've got to do some major surgery, uh, get into Photoshop, move some things around, get into their film, pull some stills. So yeah, the less you bring to the table at the beginning, the more work it's going to be uh, in the long haul. Um, but generally speaking, if you've got a vertical, a square, and a wide that are the same image except tailored for those that aspect ratio, uh, you can generally tweak those three, tall, 
wide and square to the aspect ratios or the, the specs of all those different platforms. Um, again, I'll mention iTunes has recently really complicated things um, with their, what, seven to 10 new specs that they've got. But even those are, those can be, uh, you can find uh, the uh, solution to those through the vertical square and, and wide. So okay, I just, so, I'll go back so, to that. Yeah, so vertical square wide would be right. the preferable minimum. If you don't have it, then you got to create it yeah. off of whatever the heck you have because you need yeah, or or hire somebody to create all three for you, but you're going to need those three uh, eventually. Yeah. Um, it's just the, that's just the, the nature of the, the, the field now, the, the business. That's it. Like not everybody knows about the importance of key art until it's too late. And I've seen yeah. too many filmmakers go down this path and then they don't have all their deliverables and, and, similar to what you were saying earlier, it, it creates such a delay. So we want to help filmmakers prevent that. Mm -hmm. So before we wrap it up for, for today, what's, what's one of your favorite movie posters slash artwork that you've seen out there? Oh, well, I mean, can I go all the way back to uh, the Empire Strikes Back? Absolutely. Uh, of course, that wasn't done in Photoshop. Here we are. Here I am talking about the importance of uh, layered PSDs, but uh, – I'm guessing it's uh, acrylic and or oil, maybe mixed media, but um, I, I would encourage everyone if they have not seen that one uh, or seen it in a while, Google the Empire Strikes Back movie poster, and uh, that's just legendary in my eyes. Um, if anybody's seen Discovery, that's the new Star Trek show. <laughs> I got to plug my favorite, right? Star Trek. But yeah, look at the story art for. Star Trek Discovery. It's on billboards. It's on the CBS platform. It's probably in magazines. It's everywhere. It's the most beautiful uh, composition of, you know, the Enterprise and spaceships and cast and heads and, you know, uh, a starry field in the background. But it's absolutely uh, beautiful to look at. And it gives you, like I said, it gives you the tone, gives you a vibe, makes you want to click on it. And uh, um, it's just a great example. How, how okay. would people find you? Like, how, how can somebody get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, go to my site, ianhannon.com. That's I-A-N, Hannon, H-A-N-N-I-N.com. Well, Ian, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about all these different aspects of, of key art because ultimately, you know, when you deliver a project, it just, as you very much point out, and I'm now, like, really sold on the idea that, if your art's not quite good, then people aren't going to click on it. If people don't click on it, they're no. not going to find your film. So, no. <laughs> so. No. That's pretty much the bottom line, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're laughing because we've both seen it. Uh, yeah, we've both seen the bad artwork. We've seen the good artwork, we've seen the bad artwork, and we see it go round and around. But, uh, um, but it was my pleasure uh, being here, Jason, and thank you for, for the call. Great. And if anybody had, you know, needs a movie poster or you need your key art for delivery to some of these popular platforms, uh, check out Ian Hannon. You can find out more about him at ianhannon.com. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now.